God, thank you so much. All those on the platform, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 1. Uh, I don't think I've ever quite had this happen to me where, um, I don't know, it was a week and a half or two weeks ago when Pastor Stevens mentioned to me about uh, tonight's service and something to contribute towards the build-up to conference. And no sooner did I walk away, I mean, I'm in the footsteps heading wherever I was, and, and God spoke this to me, and I just wrote it down and threw it on a folder. And so I do believe it's something that God wants to use as a contribution uh, to what he is doing. And so Mark chapter 1, you know, we really like to think that we are in control when it comes to our destiny and calling before God. And, and the truth is that we have a very limited view of what God is really doing and what He has in mind for our lives. Now there's a factor that we often don't consider when it comes to the will of God for our lives and God's specifically timed purposes for us. We don't consider the now factor. We're always or often going to, we have intentions, we're planning towards... But the Bible tells us in James 4, 13 through 15, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life but a vapor that appears for a little time, vanishes away? Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and that and that. So, so my point is not that your life is going to end today or tomorrow, although that's an important point. Uh, but my point is that when you plan your life, you always have to leave the door open for God to barge right in at any given time and change your plans and alter your course. Now, there must be an if the Lord wills in your approach to life. Or a not my will, but yours be done in your life. And while we may say that this is our demeanor, it's really only put through the test when the Lord passes by your life. And one of two things happens here. This is the topic of my sermon. And that is either the Lord passes by and we just maintain our current course. Or the Lord passes by and you drop what you're doing to follow Him. There's not a third option that says, well, the Lord hasn't passed by. Because if the Lord has not passed by your life for a long period of time, that's another subject. But I want to preach a sermon when the Lord passes by. And I want to bring you to Mark chapter 1. Uh, verse 16 through 20. Very common text in the Bible, but I believe it has... Profound revelation for tonight. Beginning in verse 16, as he walked by the sea, this is Jesus. He walked by the sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately 
He called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him when the Lord passes by. So that is my first point. And in our text, the disciples are about their business. They're doing what they do in life. When Jesus passes by and Jesus had his eye on these, the Bible says he saw them and he had a purpose in this. And so Jesus passes by and we understand that this was not just something random. Jesus just walking the countryside, but there was a purpose to these men's lives and it all purpose and focused on them being drawn into his purposes. And so the whole idea of God passing by our lives is consistent with who he is. And I want you to see this in scripture for a moment. This all began in the garden because the Bible says the Lord would walk daily among Adam and Eve. And on that fateful day when they violated God's command, God passes among them. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, when they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord in the garden. So the Lord passes by. They hide themselves. And the Bible tells us in the next verse, Then the Lord said and called out to Adam and said, Where are you? How many know that God does not just visit with his presence just so we can get Holy Ghost goosebumps? Amen. But when God passes by, when God enters into the scene of our lives, when we are... Uh, in the presence of God in any situation, uh, God is at work. Uh, there's a purpose. Uh, and we find this as he approaches Abraham. In Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So here, God passes by Abraham's life. Uh, and in that moment, everything changed for him. There was an encounter. Uh, there was a direction brought uh, and in that moment, uh, set in motion in Abraham's life, a shift took place. Now, I want you to see that and lock that into your mind as we go forth, because this is consistent uh, with what happens when the Lord passes by. We have the case of Elijah ordered by God to pass by Elisha to cast his mantle upon him, which was significant of the call of God that was being placed upon him. And God passes through using the prophet Elijah. And the Bible tells us in 1 Kings 19, 19 through 20. So he departed from there, found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by and threw his mantle on him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I'll follow you. And he said, go back for what have I done to you. In other words, this isn't between me and you. This is between you and God. So God uses this encounter uh, as a moment. Uh, and I want you to see this because this is a powerful consistency in Scripture. We have Moses. Moses is now on the backside of the desert for 40 years. Uh, and God uses... Uh, a burning bush. And what I want you to see is the variety. Uh, because you, it's not like we're going to figure this thing out. And we're going to know. Well, it's, it's only going to happen if God visits me this way or through this. Because we don't know. 
here he is, and he's going about his mundane experience of life, uh, and he's off the path uh, of the destiny of God. And in this process, uh, God draws him to himself as he passes by this burning bush uh, and initiates the destiny of God. Here's Jesus with the rich young ruler. So here's his moment. The Lord is passing by. But the end result of this rich young ruler, this is destiny at, at hand. This is, this is an altering uh, of this man's potential altering of his life. The Bible says, though, that he walks away from that moment on the very same path that he was always on. Nothing changed, nothing altered. And this is one of the concerns uh, that you have uh, with people that cannot be moved off their path. In the book of Acts chapter 6, the Lord has need of seven men and the Lord passing through by this need uh, and their lives of those that responded and were called out, their lives are altered and changed in the light of that moment right there. See, what we are presented with now is divine moments. Divine moments. We don't know when they're going to come. We don't know when the Lord will pass by in such a way concerning our lives, but I can tell you He will. As Jesus is approaching the men that He's calling these disciples in the text, this is a divine moment. We're not talking about just an everyday event or something that, uh, that we are dealing with consistently. We're talking about something that happens uh, that is a life-altering uh, Destiny-altering moment, divine moments. Now, if you haven't had a divine moment, uh, you need to be open to God tonight. Because I don't care who you are, what status you are in the kingdom of God. God has divine moments for you. These come in different ways, as I stated. It can be a regular church service, and we're here. uh, But for you, it's not just a regular church service. This is a Lord passing by church service. Everyone else appreciated it, was in tune, God. But for you, uh, the Lord is passing by because he's making that real to you. God will make you aware that there's a divine moment for you associated with that. And I'm going to tell you something. This is going to sound weird to you. But I had one of these a couple of years back when I was in the edge. Ernie Toppin was here. And I remember because he was singing the song Spiritual Revolution. And I'm telling you, I had a Lord passing by moment right there as I was standing in the back of the edge. A Lord passing by moment. Because you don't know when they're going to come. You don't know when God is going to bring this on you. And it set things in motion in my life. Certainly this is associated with conferences. There are divine meetings with God associated with our conferences that are accelerated. We can have our whole lives planned out and then the Lord passes by. And don't make the mistake of limiting this to those that are simply called to preach the gospel because Stephen was called to wait tables. But little did he know that by responding that day as the Lord passed by and chose him that it would be a life-altering, eternity-altering moment for him. So I want to consider secondly then the Lord's search. Because in our text, Jesus was on a search for the 12 
that would make up his inner circle of the leadership of his church for the first century. Now, the trigger phrase was follow me. And I want you to capture that because we know what it means in this context, but we don't always relate to it well because we just think of it in terms of the 12. So I want you to take that phrase and hold on to it because uh, Scripture applies that to every single one of us. And I'm going to show you that. The trigger phrase was follow me. The Lord was searching. And Jesus enlarges this to every believer in every time frame in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, who's anyone, anyone, desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, this was on the heels of Peter rebuking Jesus for saying that he was going to go to the cross. And so here's Peter in self-preservation mode. He's holding on to this. No, 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 no. That's offensive to my senses, that whole uh, sacrifice you're talking about. And, And Jesus then mentions this statement. And he says, if anyone desires to come after me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. So think about this, because Jesus' response to the self-preservation of Peter and to all of us is anyone that desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So God's search then is for highly committed followers of Christ in every walk of life, in every calling and every purpose of the kingdom of God. This is a universal call to all that follow Christ. This is a universal search of God. John chapter 12, verses 23 through 26. But Jesus answered and said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It produces much grain. Now, he's speaking of his life. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal. Now, listen to this. If anyone serves me, anyone, let him follow me. There's that phrase again. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, my my father will honor So God is constantly looking for those in whom his call will appeal to and cause to follow him wholeheartedly. The standard we have for this phrase, follow me, is when Jesus came and he initiated his initial search for these 12 men. And we see the response. This is the standard for this. Now, now follow me as I make application for you. Because there's a certain appeal to the call of this text. And the appeal is, I'll make you fishers of men. Now, the problem is that's not appealing to everybody. But that's the appeal. If that appeals to you, if that stirs you, if this whole business of God using your life and making you fruitful appeals to you, uh, then the response will be exactly how the disciples responded. Because God is looking for those that will embrace this calling fully in a sold-out manner as an occupation in life. 
Jesus finds the disciples doing what they did as a profession, and that was working in the industry of fishing. Let me ask you a question. Can God's call to the harvest, to the purpose of winning souls, and building God's church trump over whatever your occupation in life is? I'm not saying quit your job, don't pursue it, don't be wholehearted about it. That's not what I'm saying. But can it trump that in life? Because as I'm going to get to in a moment, we're people of passions. God's will cannot be performed in its fullness to the effect he wants unless it is the prevailing passion of our lives. Jesus comes upon these potential disciples in Matthew 8, verses 19 through 22. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now that's a pretty good... I mean, who... Who in here, if somebody came to you, man, I'm ready to serve God all the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all. Man, we're like, yeah, come on, brother. Lord, I'll, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Because this man didn't really understand what follow me meant. Then another of his disciples said, Lord, let me first. That's the biggest disqualifier right there. Let me first go and bury my father. Before you think this was some insensitive moment, he was probably the son of the birthright. And he was going to wait for his dad to die, whether it was another 20 or 30 years. But I'm, I'll get the birthright, then I'll follow you. But Jesus said, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, forget about the birthright. How many know that many can get moved emotionally, but God is looking for those that will follow him, that will deny themselves picking up their cross, those that will not just count the cost, but those that will pay the cost. You know, and I make the mistake oftentimes of saying, well, you better count the cost first, and that's a legitimate but my, my concern is you'll count the cost right, you'll count yourself right out of the cost. God's looking for people that'll pay the cost. See, Jesus' constant search was to add to his following highly committed followers. Salvation produces a transformation of the will that results in a love for God above all else. That's consistent. In the Bible, if you just read with that in mind, you'll find that true. And much of today's Christianity is a mutant version of what God intends His church to be and His followers to be. And some of that mutant version is appealing because it's, it, it lends to self-preservation. It allows us to, to follow at a pace that we want to and at a level that we want to. He's a Blaze writer. He writes for the Blaze. He's one of my favorites. His name is Matt Walsh. And and anytime these uh, uh, crazy ideas come up, especially in the Christian world, he'll approach them and he'll deal with them. Uh, and, And so he says, our modern opinions are irrelevant. God's word is not up for vote. Now, what he was addressing was today's views on cultural issues 
that are coming from professing Christians but don't line up with the Word of God. In other words, there are issues in our day. We've determined that this is what we think about it. Uh, Never mind the Bible says this. This is what we think. He says, hey, God's Word is not up for vote. Our opinion in the matter is irrelevant. And then he goes on to say, many of today's practicing Christians didn't arrive at their conclusions on cultural and biblical issues by consulting the Bible nor the thousands of years of Christian tradition. In other words, just decided, well, this is what I'm going to think about it. Well, let me roll this thought into what I'm talking about tonight. Because what I'm talking about, I already know ruffles feathers. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't jive with our reasoning. And, and I'm going to say a few more things that's really not going to jive with your reasoning in a moment. Because we can be secular. Uh, we, we can have a too much of a reasoning mind. Whatever the case When it comes to this whole topic of follow me and what God is looking for out of our lives, it's not up for a vote. Jesus already laid it out for us. And many that profess Christ as Lord and Savior do not adhere to this call to self-denial. Or somehow it's not as intense as you make it there at the door. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think we make it intense enough sometimes when I read this kind of stuff. For too many Christians, Christianity is simply believing some basic facts about Christ, attending some religious services and being a good person. Ignoring this search and call of God for highly committed followers of Christ that place his interest as preeminent And willing to accept certain discomforts and sacrifices in life for the sake of assuring that his interests are fully taken care of and not ignored or passed on to someone else. And as one person said, someone else sure is a busy person in the church. There's always someone else. But I want to hone this into you for a moment. And let me then talk about the necessary response. This is really where the rubber meets the road. For all of us. I'm not talking to just those. I'm going to talk specifically to those called to preach at the very end of the sermon. But, but this is for everyone. Jesus didn't, he didn't make this in little segments. You're, okay, you guys live for God this way. You guys live for God. No, he just said, follow me. If you're going to be my disciple, follow me. You know, discipleship is not some second rung second-tier Christianity, you know, now we're, we're going to go up. No, 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 we're disciples the moment we get saved. Okay, that, that's, that's not a biblical doctrine, to put these in, in like that. Our lives, I'm talking about the necessary response, our lives are heading in one direction or another. There's no such thing as maintaining a position of neutrality. Our response to God's word and his times of passing by are a major component in where we are spiritually in our lives. So you just ask yourself, you know you well. Where are you at spiritually in your life? It's it's determined based upon how you respond to God's word and how you respond to when the Lord passes by. And you know that a lot is learned about our lives when the Lord passes by. You know what the biggest thing is that's learned when the Lord passes by? 
The main thing discovered is where our true passion in life is. And in our text, it notes that Jesus saw them that they were fishermen. And you'd wonder why would it make this obvious statement, but but I, I believe that it has something to do with what I'm going to say. Because this was their passion in life. This is what they did. This is what they were sold out to in life. Jesus' task is to alter that passion to secondary to following him and doing his will. That's no easy task. And as we are living in the 21st century, that is no easy task. That somehow that that if God can get a hold of our lives, that, that one of the things that it would show in is that we are able to make all the other passions in life secondary to this one that concerns Jesus Christ and his church. The response is highly challenging to all that are present because the Bible says they immediately dropped their nets and followed. Let me read verse 18. Immediately they left their nets and followed him Now, I want you to highlight that word immediately. Now, think about another man in the Bible. His name is Zacchaeus. So Jesus is passing by. And in Luke chapter 19, verses 2 through 8, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. That's the hard part for short people, sorry. For he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was coming, going to pass that way. So Jesus is passing by. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. Today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained and said, He's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Now listen to what happens. Then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything, now this is a tax collector, you know he's taken something. Anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Too often, we count the costs far too deeply in responding to God. Zacchaeus simply responded. He didn't allow this moment of Jesus passing by because it wasn't going to stay. Listen, he wasn't going to stay there. He wasn't going to allow this moment of Jesus passing by to be wasted. And he responds without hesitation in this deep, sold-out response, just as the disciples did immediately. They were willing to to surrender at whatever level Christ might require of them. We have a man at the pool of Bethesda. A man that lay there for 38 years, lived with a deteriorating physical condition. The tradition was that once a year an angel would come and stir the waters and the first to get into the waters would be healed. But this man for 38 years couldn't get in the water. But here's the day that Jesus passes by. The Bible says in John 5, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, 
He said, do you want to be made well? Now, you wouldn't think Jesus had to ask that question. But it's a relevant question. But obviously, there's the potential that this man was not really interested in being healed. He's been like this so long, he may no longer have the drive to change. And how many know so many are just like this when the Lord passes by? They've been disconnected or chasing materialism or distracted and carnal so long, they may not have the necessary drive to change and have a life-altering experience when the Lord passes by. And so the Lord comes and the Lord goes, and there they are staying right where they've always been. Same dilemma, same situation. And to them, self-denial becomes an offensive message. It offends our senses. Jesus told them, I'll make you fishers of men. I'm going to do something in your life that far exceeds any dreams of your own or your own doing. Yes, does that appeal to you? What kind of response does that foster in your life? I remember when I first got saved, you know, I was... You know, I came from all the right environment. You wouldn't think I would have been so confused in life, but I was. And I really didn't know where to go, what direction. I had limited ambitions, took the, always the, the path of least resistance. And then I get saved. And, and it, for me, it was different than a lot. A lot of people, it takes time, and, and I understand that. But for me, for whatever reason... Within the first month of my salvation, I knew I was called to preach the gospel. And that was the most appealing thing that ever happened in my life. And so there I was pursuing this call. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll do something in your life that far exceeds any dreams of your own. So the question is, how will you respond? How do you respond When the Lord passes by, because he's going to pass by. For some, he's passing by. The Bible says they dropped their nets and followed him. And you know what is so amazing about this? Here's their whole life. Fishing never again became the main passion of their lives. Now, this is where I'm going to segue to the future preachers, okay? I'm going to lay it on you. It's going to be heavy, so be careful. You might need your paper bag. You might hyperventilate on me over this one. You know that your secular job is only a means to an end, and you're going to have to conquer this one. It's the end of supporting your family. So here's where I'm going to lay it on you, okay? When you're called to preach... Are you ready? Because I don't think some of you are. As a matter of fact, some of you non-called are not going to like this. You're going to hope your kids aren't called because of this. It's calling or career. Yes, I put an or between them. Doesn't mean you can't have a good job. Doesn't mean you can't flourish and make good money. But I want you to follow this thought for a moment. Because here we have Elijah passing by Elisha. And he cast his mantle and called him to follow. 
First Kings nineteen twenty one. So Elijah turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, and boiled their flesh. This is his livelihood. Using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people, and they ate. And he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. If you're called to preach one day, this day is going to come to you. If you stay in the ministry. I'm going forward to come backwards, so don't freak out on me. Because one day you're going to have to quit your secular job and follow the ministry full time. Now, why would I say that? If you're not even sent out yet, and this may be years away. Well, first of all, I say that because this is one of the big failures of many people that are in the field today that won't make the cut of the umbilical cord and stop their church in their track. But the other reason, the main reason I'm saying it, is because it's the issue of competing passions. It's competing passions. Now, I, I mentioned this to somebody the other day. I was in my office. We were being visionaries for the moment. A young man was being a visionary. And I was just talking in future tense, and we were talking about the day you get sent out and on and on. And then I started mentioning this whole topic. You know, the whole goal one day is that we can raise up a church and get it full time and, and raise up disciples and, and all of this. And he said to me, I'm not sure I could quit my job. And this is what I told him. This is, okay, get ready. Calm down before you go. I told him, then don't go in the ministry. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. This doesn't mean don't better yourself. This doesn't mean get some half-hearted effort at work or live in some poverty mentality. We don't ascribe to that. But one day you're going to be asked to drop your nets and walk away from them. Only way we're able to do that and pursue that is is this whole thing that begins in the early parts of our salvation. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And that that becomes where we derive our main pleasure in life. This begins now. Your calling to preach must have a driving passion in your life. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm concerned about this in today's realm of discipling. I really am. We must all be in the now of God's will. And if you will respond, now I'm talking to everybody again. If you will respond to God with a fresh surrender of your life, you will become eternally driven once again. You will become a soul winner again. You'll not just sit in church and exist and in some cases be bored out of your mind. But you will have a now Today, encounter with God as he passes by and takes you somewhere and ignites something in your spirit. Let me ask you, when was the last time the Lord passed by your life? What was your response? this This is where it's at right here. When the Lord passes by. And I'm talking about divine moments. I'm not just talking about our everyday 
walk with God and we have a good prayer meeting and we'll have revelation from His Word. I'm talking about divine moments. This is what I'm after tonight. That God has for your life when the Lord passes by. It could be at this altar tonight. You could have walked in, just a regular church service. You're here, faithful, thank God. And then tonight the Lord will pass by. It's like it did for me, sitting in an edge, the most unlikely place. So that became my favorite Ernie Toppin song of all time, Spiritual Revolution. Because of that moment. I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed, every eye closed as we ponder what the Spirit of God is saying to us. I want you to remain open. Because the Lord wants to pass by your life. And you may be here tonight and you're not a Christian. The Lord is passing by tonight. That's what's significant about what's happening right now. Here you are in life and you're just trying to figure it out. You're trying to put the pieces together. Maybe you've been given a bad deck of cards in life and things have happened and and life is a bunch of sour grapes. Well, the Lord's passing by. How are you going to respond? Because this is a life-changing moment for you. When I became a Christian, I sat in a church just like you are. I didn't understand it. I wasn't raised in it. I didn't understand half of what they were doing. All I knew was God was dealing with me. I can't even explain to you how I knew that. I just knew. The Lord was passing by my life. What are you going to do? It was 1986. The Lord was passing by. And I surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ. And it was a divine moment. So powerful that God swept me into His world now. My sins were forgiven and I felt it and I knew they were. There were things that I was bound and addicted to that I tried all my teenage years. I tried to get rid of and I couldn't. But as the Lord passed by my life that day and I I surrendered when he said, follow me, repent of your sins. I've never been the same. This is a divine moment. You're here. You're not right with God. You need to get right tonight. God is graciously and mercifully attending to you right now. What are you going to do? Are you going to let the Lord pass by and then you just go about life and hope that you get another opportunity? Right now, you need to live in the now. Jesus Christ is knocking on the door of your heart right now. Will you allow Him inside of your life? And you're here. You're not right with God, but you're ready to get right. You're not willing to let the Lord slip by tonight. You'd say, you know what? I'm going to respond to Jesus. Would you pray with me so I can ask Jesus Christ to come inside of my life and forgive me? And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand up to acknowledge that's me. I'm not right. I'm ready to get right tonight, right now. I'm in the now. Jesus is calling you. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. You would acknowledge that very quickly. As God is knocking on the door of your life. What are you going to do? Are you going to just maintain course? Or are you going to follow Jesus? That's what He's calling you to do. 
And I can't give you any guarantees if you pass this moment by. What tomorrow will bring, as the scripture said, our life's like a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. The most secure place in all of life and certainly for when you die is in Jesus Christ. You know what, Pastor Puglisi? I'm not right, but I'm ready to get right. I need you to pray with me tonight. I want you to lift your hand up very quickly. God's dealing with you. You may feel nervous, out of place, like you're the only one here, but you're not. But that's just God dealing with you. But you're ready to surrender to Christ. Give your life over to Jesus. We want to pray with you tonight. Simple prayer to lead you to Jesus. This is your night. This is your now moment with God. Don't let it pass you by. Who would that be? Very quickly, lift your hand up so I can see it. God's dealing with you. Thank you very much right here. Who else? I'm not right. Oh, I'm ready to get right tonight. This is your now moment with God. You may be backslidden. God's been dealing with you intensely. This is your now moment where you come to Christ. Let us pray with you. Lift your hand up so I can see it. As soon as you, I acknowledge it, I'll tell you to put it down. Who would that be? Very quickly. Others, God's dealing with you right now. The Lord is passing by. What are you going to do? In many of the cases, he just kept walking. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that. But listen, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. But now we know what we can do. You have control right now. A choice. No more to sin. No more to this world. I'm ready for the healing that God can bring to my life, to my heart, to my emotions. Young lady here, who else would join her? I'm ready to get right. You'd lift your hand up. Thank you so much. God bless you. God's going to help you. He's waiting on you. God's going to help you. Who else? God's dealing with you. It's time tonight. You may be kind of going about it. You believe some things about God, but you're really not living for Jesus. This is your now moment. Don't let it pass you by. God's dealing with you, drawing you to himself. Who else with these honest hearts? Come to Jesus tonight. Lift your hand so we can pray with you. Who else with these? Very quickly, before I change the order of the service, God's dealing with you all across this place. Okay, these two that raised their hand, I want you to look at me eye to eye. Did you mean that? I believe you did. God's going to help you. You meant that. Would you both come? We have sisters that are coming to pray with you. God bless you. God's going to help you tonight. God bless you. God bless you. Thank God. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. When was the last time the Lord passed by your life? I'm talking about divine moments. I don't want you to mix this up with, well, I had a great prayer meeting this morning. I'm not minimalizing that, but I want you to hear me. Divine moments that were life-altering, destiny-altering, eternity-altering. For some of you, this is a hard draw because you've allowed yourself to become so disconnected that This has very little appeal to your life. But but what I want you to see, if that's you, what I want you to see is I want you to see that about yourself. Because that's a dangerous place. And I believe if that's where you're at, just by virtue of preaching this sermon, it's the equivalent of the Lord passing by your life, saying, man, would you come out of that? Would you follow me? Would you put subservient the other passions of life to mine and begin to focus once again on what I called you to do? I'm not saying sell all you have and go. That's not what I'm saying. But there is self-denial. 
You cannot avoid that if you're going to be a Christian. You cannot live a life where you're calling all the shots because that's not Christianity. And I believe we've seen this consistently in Scripture that any time the Lord passed by in these divine moments, they were life-altering moments with something grand in mind for you. That God has something amazing in mind for you. doesn't matter. You may think you're not a big member of the church. No, no, no. It doesn't matter your status in the church. If you're a child of God, this is for you tonight. And we're going to take this altar as a time to resubmit our hearts as an act of surrender to God. As we've seen our deficiency, as we prepare our hearts. And for some of you, there's going to be a very distinct Lord passing by moment divine moment I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet I'm going to invite you to come to this altar right now and and place your life before God place your life before God Jesus said look if if you hold on to your life you're going to lose it everything that you covet and you're afraid of losing you're going to end up losing as Pastor Stephen said in his last sermon But, you know, if you let it go, not only will you gain on a greater level, but all the value of eternity will be so real. All that God has for your life, it will be so real. Every day, thinking about what God wants to do. Waking up and some of your very first thoughts are, God, what do you want to do today? For some, that's so far from your reality. But the Lord is passing by tonight. What are you going to do? And you know what he's saying? The same thing he did way back then. Follow me. That's what he's saying. It hasn't changed. Oh, God, we thank you for your word, your faithfulness. Lord God, have access tonight. Lord, lay hold of our hearts, Lord. Lay hold of us. God, we don't want to miss your divine moments, Lord. We don't want to miss your divine appointments. Lord, help us to have a heart to respond tonight, Lord. That's why the Bible says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable before God and our reasonable service. That's what's expected from God. You may not understand all that I'm saying. Listen, I don't understand. Even today there are things God, I don't, we don't, we're not that divine. We don't get it all. We don't see it all clearly. All I can say, when the Lord is passing, there's a certain prompting involved. There's a certain conviction and stirring of God that's associated that you may not know all the details, but you don't need to to just follow. They didn't know. These disciples had no idea of the depth of what they were stepping into. But all oh, what God did in the days to follow, in the months and the years... This is what God wants to do in your life. You may be here. You're a brand new Christian. It, it takes everything in you just to serve God every day and not follow the world. And I understand. I've been there. But you know what? Get caught up in following Jesus with all your might because he's going to take you somewhere amazing.
You may think God has passed you by. I don't believe that. He passed and just kept on walking and said, forget it. No, I don't believe that. But listen, that doesn't mean you take for granted when the Lord does pass by. And think that somehow you can just decide whenever you feel fit because you're going to miss something divine. I want you to stand to your feet with your heads bowed right at this altar tonight. Because I'm contending for divine moments. And I realize it won't, and it may be. I pray it could be and would be, but I'm certain there are some divine moments that are right now at this juncture. Bow your heads. This is the strange thing. Is it was the Wednesday night of that revival with Ernie Toppin. And if I'm not mistaken, and he, he did the same song, but that's not relevant. But that altar call, I had the same Lord passing by moment. That, that altar call. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that was all about. I tell you, that's what God wants to do. That's what God will do. That's what God is going to do. But you know what? We have to be of the demeanor. I mean, how is it? I mean, I, it boggles me to some degree because it's not like I'm the spiritual giant that I, because I don't, I, I struggle with God and I fight with God and I arm wrestle with God and I always lose. But it, but this is immediately, immediately. God, I want that in my life. Immediately. Instinctively that we're so attached to Jesus, we're so passionate for his will. Immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. That's what we're contending for. Lift your hands. Pray this with me. Oh, God in heaven, I come to you as a living sacrifice. God, I offer my body upon your altar. You take control tonight. God, I want my affection and my passion to be for you before anything else. God, I don't want to miss the divine moments you have for my life, for my family, for my marriage, my children. God, help me tonight to have a prepared heart to be able to do what you call me to do when you call me to do it. God, I surrender to that right now. Lord, draw me out of any level of carnality, materialistic pursuits, secular orientation that would keep me from responding in this way. God, I submit this to you in the name of Jesus. Lift your voices in worship tonight. Oh, God, have right of way tonight by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Lord, consuming fire, God, upon the altar tonight. Burning up the idle things within, oh, God. Oh, 
God, be honored tonight, Lord. God, be honored tonight in the praises of your people, Lord. In the surrender of your heart and life, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hear my word this night, for I have not forgotten you, but you have forgotten me. I have called you to do my will, but you have turned your back from me. But let me tell you that you flee fear and in doubt. But I say do not fear and doubt, for I am the Lord your God. For you are the apple of my eye, and I have placed before you a prince, a plan for your life, greater than any occupation, greater than any career or materialistic thing, save God. For come unto me, save God. Remember what I have called you to do, for the world needs me, for the world needs you to answer to my call. There are people to be touched. And I placed in your heart and in your mind, say God, pursue me like you pursued your money, your materialistic things. Turn from the destruction, say God, and I will bless you beyond anything you can understand. Oh, give him worship tonight, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Rabba Bakoroshe. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful God and King. Hallelujah. Your grace is sufficient. Thank God. Amen. They're divine moments. God knows when to place them. He has a timing. He has a purpose. They involve us. Don't think you have to be called to preach to have these. That's a mistake because you read the Word of God and it was not all preachers. God visited many outside of that. While you work your jobs and while you pursue your careers, God is able to take you and use you in a a way. Think about it. Think about the influence we have just on a daily basis. People you know, people you're around every day, the, the stature of who you've become because of your business dealings and what that can mean when it's sold to God. So I want you to be open because uh, what I really feel is that that you're gonna, there's going to be some divine moments throughout the conference, very powerful ones. You need to be very open and very surrendered to whatever God's going to say. I'm not the dictator of that. I'm not even wanting to be. But you just let God be God. Amen. And he'll help you. He'll move for you. He'll do a work in your life. Amen. We're going to dismiss rejoicing in all that God has done. Don't forget, um, there is no Spanish service tomorrow. And then Friday is our day of fasting. And then our time of prayer meeting here at 7 o'clock. We do have the team coming in from Georgetown. They're the group that's going to be playing. They're really, really eager to come and outreach with us. We are going to be setting up on Montwood and Zaragoza. They're going to be doing some music out there. And uh, that outreach may venture on in other areas as they're wanting to do stuff. But if you can come and at least help with the morning part of it, that would be just a tremendous time. It's a big corner. We can fit lots of people. And then uh, don't forget the edge. Saturday night they will be ministering there and then back in church Sunday. And we're right on this cusp 
of our conference, and Pastor said it right. I mean, we have blown the doors off any previous conference in this form of delegates, the amount of money that's involved. And so this is going to be just a fantastic time. God is going to help us. We're bowing our heads. We're dismissing, rejoicing. Joe Russell's lifting his voice and asking the Lord's dismissal. Father, we thank you, God, for visiting us tonight. We pray that we would take the mantle of